All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And of course, joining me on a Monday to do a great weekend wrap-up of sports, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy. Great to see you. Uh, how, how how was your weekend and uh, how was your Monday? Monday was, uh, today was a little bit tough. A lot of traffic, a lot of, a lot of, just a lot of traffic. Um, but, you know, as far as the work went, work was fine. Work was cool. Good. Consistently busy. And as for this weekend, a lot of great sports on. Yeah. I am getting old. I napped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, so did I. Uh, unfortunately, I, I've been kind of sick for the past couple weeks and I picked up a sinus infection and it morphed into a eye infection so I had to miss they sent me home on they sent me home on like maybe Tuesday and then they sent me home on Friday as well because I just didn't look very good I uh you know seemed to be maybe the possibility of giving it to other people so uh i went got uh got some prescription got some good antibiotics and was able to rest and take those and uh, i'm back healthy now today but um yeah it was a little rough there for a few days i didn't feel very good and uh so it was nice that there was so much sports on to just chill and uh, take it easy yeah that's good now my question to you is, were you so sick that people are like trying to sprinkle holy water on you? It's like, yeah. get away from me. Like, yeah. yeah, they, they <laughs> were. Yeah, there was this like, get away, get away. The uh, the Teamsters didn't even want me uh, anywhere near the truck. So, um, yeah, it was like, all right, I guess I'm out of here. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just uh, sent me home. Uh, I tested for COVID to check and uh Everything seemed to be fine. So, but uh, yeah, it uh, these days when somebody's sick, uh, they really uh, act extra cautiously and just see you later. Yeah, we'll see you in a few days or something. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, at least the good thing is that you didn't have COVID. But, um, you know, like I guess when you try to hug too many people, it was like, no, Darren, no, no <laughs> yeah. more hugs. That's it. Yeah. You know me, I just can't stop hugging people. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, it was okay. Um, I hate missing work, especially when the show's just wrapping. We're um, into the second last week of shooting and uh, we're going to have a really quick wrap. Uh, we're already, we're already, we already been in that mode for three, four weeks already. So okay. uh, it, it, we're, we're done. And I'd say, three, four weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm finished this show hundred percent. So it's slowing down. Uh, I can see a lot of people quite bored right now. Um, there's a couple more sets to sort of do, uh, wrap and set up, but it's, it's really down to the sort of dog days right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, man. I, I know when it gets down to that, you're just like, all right, well, just, you're just basically, you're counting down the days, yeah. counting down the days until you're done. I will get there myself at some point, like, but I still got like at least two more months of shooting, I think. Okay. And then it depends on what what the show wants to do. Either we do a small rap, or we do the biggest rap ever, and that would that might take us like two months. Wow. If they want it all wrapped, they want mm-hmm. it all wrapped. It's two months. Wow. 
is uh that that I think this might be the last season of the show or something or well they're 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 keeping pretty quiet about it there's mm-hmm. there's 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 rumors of yeah another season there's rumors of no there isn't so mm-hmm. funny we don't know yet just don't know yeah. I see. Well, uh, yeah, as we both said, uh, lots of sports on. Um, the divisional uh, championships for the NFL, uh, four, four games happen on the weekend. Uh, we're down to the top four teams battling it out next weekend uh, for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, there was a couple upsets, but uh, yeah, it's definitely – uh, looking forward to breaking it, that that down. USC um, had their first pay-per-view of this year. Uh, USC 283 out of Rio, Brazil. Uh, that'll be great. Um, lots of NBA action to talk about. And uh, locally here, tons of drama regarding the Canucks coach. Um, he was twisting in the wind. Bruce Boudreaux was very, very loved around here and uh, did had done a great job. But they uh, pulled the plug on him, fired him on Sunday. Um, I guess the only good thing about this whole fiasco was that the fans got to really show their appreciation for him. They were chanting his name. They had tons of signs in the crowd. Um, He got quite emotional um, in his last few moments on the bench. And then in the post-game press conferences, he was uh, he was saying that you know this could be it. He might never uh, coach another game in the NHL. Uh, he, he said he's been in the game fifty years, and and uh, this could have been it. So he was trying to soak it all in. But um, the Canucks management and ownership handled this really really poorly. One of the worst um, firings I've ever seen. The new guy was knocking on the door for like a month. It seemed like, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Uh, one of the, you know, Canucks have had a lot of lows, but this was a, a pretty, pretty bad low the way they uh, left this guy twisting in the wind and uh, already had named his replacement way before the guy even started. It was kind of bizarre, but um, I, I'll miss Bruce Boudreau. He was great, fun guy, very personable, awesome to talk to. Uh, always didn't, he just said it like it was and and uh, you know everybody appreciated appreciated him, and uh, it, it's definitely sad to see him go. He he just seemed to to me from what I saw from the outside looking in that he held players accountable, and players mm-hmm. respected that. Oh, yeah. uh, more, more, first and foremost, he held players accountable. And I okay, so you, you're gonna have to remind me how many years was he behind the bench for the Canucks? Uh, this was well, he came in part way through last year, and this was uh, you know halfway through this year so basically a year really he was only here a year so so then my question is what did you expect him to do yeah. like, like honestly like for, if you're if you're the ownership and your management for the Canucks it's like well I guess he had 11 months and he didn't do enough yeah. so we're good like yeah, hey, it was, yeah it was bad like, like what what coach do you think is going to come in and be like I'm gonna sprinkle some freaking pixie dust, and we're gonna be awesome. Like what? Like what? What world do you live in? Yeah, where you think like that? Like that's just utterly ridiculous to me. Utterly yeah. ridiculous. Uh, the Canucks the last ten years um, since they uh, made the Stanley Cup final, it's just been a revolving door. T- tons of coaches, general managers, presidents. Uh, it's been sad. This organization is 
is like a, a boat in the middle of the ocean, doesn't have any power, doesn't have anything. They just <laughs> seem to be um, just drifting around. Nobody nobody really knows the direction that they're wanting to go in. Uh, they bring people in and fire them really quite quickly. And it's been a fiasco. And uh, I, I've been a fan of, of the Vancouver Canucks for pretty much my entire life. But uh, right now, it's very hard to throw my support behind them and and try to, uh, yeah, you know, watch games, be supportive of this team when it's just really, really, really not fun to to uh, see what they're doing. Would you say this? I'm going to throw something out there. This is going to sound horrible, but I think I might be right anyways. Are we the Phoenix Coyotes of the North? <laughs> Are we that bad? Yeah, we're uh, we're close, man. We're definitely close. Um, I I've been super shocked and surprised at just how poor uh, this this team continues to look. Um, I, I think we lost a lot of respect around the league. I think a lot of people will um, question about coming here. We might lose free agents. We might lose really good um, coaches. We might lose uh, the possibility of getting a lot of top talent around the league because of just the way this has been. Uh, the ownership just seems to be way too meddlesome, and they just don't let the um, powers that be handle their business and go about things. Uh, we brought in a new regime a couple years ago, and um, or I guess it's just over a year ago now, and it uh, doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. That, nothing seems to have changed, and it's um yeah it's disgusting it's terrible uh i i i think you might be right that we might be the arizona coyotes of, of canada of the north and uh yeah i i really can't believe that uh i could be saying that but yeah it, it's it's bad right now okay so it seems that probably what could what what the solution that we could possibly have to figure out the canucks is new ownership. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally new ownership, which unfortunately is never going to happen. But if it could, that might solve a lot of problems that they're having right now. Yeah. Yeah. It sure could. Yeah. I, um, I don't see it happening in the uh, near future, but um, there have been a lot of troubles with this ownership group. And uh, uh, the only thing that's going to really change and make uh, them want to, Sell is if the Canuck fans just start boycotting games, uh, dr dropping down in attendance. Uh, right now, almost every game's sold out, and so you know you can just keep running the ship, uh, you know, badly as far as you want to. Uh, and and the Canucks um, fan loyalty is still there, but um, you know once once fans start not going to games and they start dipping down, maybe. Uh, below 10,000, I think, uh, you know, that would set off alarm bells and it might, um, you know, make uh, make the ownership want to make a move, make make a change. But um, yeah, right now we're, we're stuck with them. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they, uh, they've made a right move with the new coach here and hopefully they give them a really long opportunity. And, um, yeah, hopefully this team isn't the laughing stock that it is right now. So when you say like like a long opportunity, like a long term, we're talking like eighteen months, right? Like that that's pretty long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, sixteen. That's all they. That's all you get. Sixteen. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. This guy got eleven. That next guy gets sixteen. We might think about 
two years for the next guy after that. But yeah, no, it's yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, I I I you know we we this is our real you know professional team here that you know in one of the top leagues and um, you know to see what they've devolved into it's it's frustrating and it's tough and uh, you know every time you turn on the radio here. It's just Canucks this, Canucks that, and and it's just sad, sad, sad conversations every day, all the time, and uh, it, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, it's it, it's depressing because at the same time, if you're a fan, you're just like, well, maybe in seven years, <laughs> maybe, because <laughs> it seems like we're going to be in this in this quandary, in this this swamp of just bad for a while. Yeah. It's just going to be bad for a while. Yeah. I wish they would be bottom of the league because uh, this Connor Bedard kit, you know, one of the maybe once in a generation type player, um, you know, it'd be great. Uh, Canucks have finished near the bottom of the standings uh, a few times in the last few years, but um, they always lose out in this lottery. And uh, they ended up, uh, you know, they've made some good draft picks being in that top five, six uh, position, but, when you get that number one overall, you're almost guaranteed you're going to get a, a superstar and a guy that can you know, build a f- franchise around. But, um, yeah, they're sort of in that uh, mushy middle where they just quite make the playoffs, but they're not the worst team. So their percentages is, you know, two to five percent to get a you know top draft pick. And they, they just never do. They never win it. So we're not even good at that. You can't even tank well. You can't even tank correctly no. either. That, that, that's amazing. That's yeah. that's how well our organization is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty sad, man. Pretty sad. But, um, yeah, but let's talk about some fun things. Let's talk about some NFL. Man, the, uh, the NFL was great this weekend. Uh, always those divisional games are really incredible with uh, a lot of top teams. Uh, trying to jockey for position and get into the, this um, conference round. Uh, the first game that I want to talk about is the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants. Uh, Eagles, uh, number one team all season long, really were dominant. And uh, in this game, it was uh, the same case. Uh, they just absolutely put a massive whooping on the Giants. Uh, they've won 38-7. to and um, it was not close. Uh, the, uh, the the running game for the Eagles was just on fire. 200 and, uh, 260 yards rushing, something like that. And, and their defense was uh, able to shut down the Giants as well. Uh, this was a complete uh, blowout. And uh, give, give the Eagles a ton of confidence after that bye week. Jalen Hurts seemed to be even that much more healthy came in and uh, engineered a really, really big one. Yeah, they, they took care of business, and they stomped on the Giants. It's almost as if the Eagles said, well, we played this team like twice in the regular season. I think we can just destroy them now. <laughs> like, literally, we're going to do Mortal Kombat, finish him, and then that, uh, that'll be it. That'll be it. Well, Hopefully, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they sure did, man. It was It was an incredible display. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't uh, called upon to throw the ball too, too much. Uh, only had 154 yards through the air, but um, he was able to rack up uh, some yardage on the ground. And as I said, uh, holy cow, the running attack was amazing. 
Gainwell had 112 yards and 12 carries with a touchdown. Uh, Sanders had 90 yards and 17 carries. Hertz punched it into the end zone himself. Uh, nine carries, 34 yards. And even Boston Scott got a touchdown on his six carries. Um, when when a team has that much of a juggernaut uh, running game, how do you beat them? How, you know, they're able to just have long, sustained drives and uh, just eat up the clock, score every possession. And, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for uh, almost any team to beat them when they're on like that. And when they're on like that, yes. And then also, too, keeping the, the opposition's defense on the field for that long, all of a sudden, you're just, you're just tiring them out. Yeah. And so every time they got to take the field, it's like the defense, like, wait, is the offense? Sorry about that. The offense is throughout. That's great. Now we got to take the field again. We're already tired because they just had the ball for the last eight minutes straight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's. It was awesome to watch. What a display. And uh, Jalen Hurts seems to be uh, getting closer and closer to 100%. Uh, a lot of worry about his shoulder. Uh, that uh, one week really seemed to help. Yeah, yeah. The one week definitely looked like he, he looked a lot better. Yeah. Looked a lot better. Looked a lot more comfortable running the ball um, because the, the week before he literally didn't run it at all. So that was good for Philly fans to see him running the ball like that. And uh, now, but now the Eagles, they, they got a tough test ahead of them. Yeah, they, they got a really tough test ahead of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they play host of the 49ers. Um, that's the early game on Sunday, uh, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Uh, that is going to be uh, a battle of the Titans. Uh, the Niners came in into this game against the Cowboys, and a lot of teams were like, um. Oh, this is a toss-up. We've got a Mr. Irrelevant rookie quarterback facing, uh, you know, a veteran in Dak Prescott. Two amazing defenses against each other, weapons on both sides on the offense. But, um, man, the 49ers defense was just relentless, unbelievable. And and uh, these two defenses, the Eagles and the Niners facing each other, this is going to be an awesome display. No, it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be really good. I – I'm pretty sure the Eagles aren't going to be able to rush the ball like they did against the Giants against the 49ers defense. That is not going to happen. And I'm curious to see if Brock Purdy can continue his unbeaten streak. Unbeaten in his career. Pretty pretty incredible for this guy. Uh, He he just doesn't make mistakes. He just goes out there and uh, throws the ball. Uh, mostly short yardage, and uh, was is just continuing to win. Uh, does not, uh, you know, does not throw that ball up for grabs. Uh, is just very, very, very smart with the football, and when he's in any trouble, just throws it out of bounds. Uh, Shanahan must just love this kid uh, coming in and being able to just uh, continue this winning streak and keep keep the Niners rolling like this. Oh, yeah. Well, Shanahan was just like, I never even paid attention to you. I forgot your name for so many times, so many times. And now I just throw you in there and say, oh, he's good. (laughs) (laughs) Great. All right. Yeah. Uh, What about the other side of the ball, Dak Prescott? um, Could this have been his last game as a cowboy? Could they move on from Dak? 
Uh, is he able to ever get this team to the promised land uh, that uh, they, they're paying him the money to? Uh, great question. It's a possibility. You know, like, it's a possibility that they could move on from him. I don't think they will. I think they may give him, like, another year or two just to see if he can get it done. Uh, maybe add some more offensive weapons to his repertoire for uh, next year and stuff. But uh, what he needs to really focus on is his turnovers and putting the ball up for grabs. Two interceptions again in this game. And a game that's that close, where it was 9-9 going into the fourth, can't do that. No. Can't do that. You can't have turnovers like that. No, that was uh, the killer. Um, those two picks. Uh, he led the league in interceptions this year, and he missed a bunch of action. Uh, he had 15 picks in 12 games, and then another two in this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, as a Cowboys fan, you, you have to get very frustrated with him. Uh, pretty good regular seasons, getting uh, you know them in, into the playoffs, but to lose to the Niners two years in a row. Uh, last year on the uh, ill-advised pass across the middle, didn't spike the ball down in time when the clock runs out. This this year, they they had a absolute bizarre play for the last play of the game. Uh, they decided Zeke Zeke was gonna uh, snap the ball. They spread the the, the uh, all the guys out as far as he can, and then throw it across the middle to Turpin. Grab, boom, he's down on the ground. Uh, it was the it was one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen. And uh, it must have just absolutely infuriated Jerry Jones and the rest of this team. Well, I didn't know what they were doing. Because I'm like, so you just going to throw it in the middle of the field and get him tackled? And that's that's the game? Great play. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you got you to throw it to the end zone. You got to do a Hail Mary. Like, that's – you got to give yourself a chance to score a touchdown. Because, like, I believe he was still, like, what, 65 yards away from the end zone or something like that? Like, it's like, what I, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it was so bizarre and, and stupid and crazy. Yeah. I, I think uh, Dallas is snake-bitten. Uh, we talked about the meddlesome owner with the Canucks. I think Jerry Jones, as long as he owns the Cowboys, I don't think they're ever going to win a Super Bowl. I just think, um, you know, he's he's too meddlesome. He's too. Uh, he's got too big of an ego. He's just unable to see the forest through the trees, make the right moves, get rid of the guys they need to, move in guys that they should. And um, this team, I, I just think they're snake bitten with him as an owner. And I just think uh, we're never going to see them uh, get win another Super Bowl as long as he's there. Yeah, because I think that was the, the that was the greatness of Jimmy Johnson, where he was able to kind of say tell jones it's like i'm just gonna need you to go over here and and not do anything <laughs> i'll take care of it all and that's how he was able to win but i think as soon as jimmy jimmy was out of there then all of a sudden it's like jerry jones is like nope my team i'll run it the way i feel i've already won some super bowls yeah. i know what i'm doing no you do not no you don't and yeah. sometimes you gotta let the professionals run the team because they know better than you and I don't think I don't think he has the capacity to really do that. I don't think he has the capacity to just step away. I don't, I don't think he can do it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he his ego will uh, allow it. And you know, can't he's got he's got to bring in a great general manager, great coach, let him be. I think they have a chance. Uh, you know, Dallas is a 
preferred destination. They've had some amazing teams um, going into the playoffs, but they can just never get over that hump. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's sad. Uh, I I personally don't like the Cowboys, so you know I'm happy to see them go. But um, it's crazy that um, this is one of the you know top destinations in the NFL, but uh, they just cannot win. I don't think with Jerry Jones there. Uh, this is going to be a, a very different team as well going into next year. Uh, I've got a list of notable free agents coming up uh, in 2023 here. Uh, Tony Pollard, who unfortunately broke his fibula and had a bad uh, sprained ankle as well. Um, going into his free agent year, after a 1,000-yard season, looked so, so great doing what he did. Uh, I feel really sorry for a guy that breaks his leg heading into free agency. Yeah, that kind of sucks. But at the same time, he's going to get better. He's going to heal up. Somebody's going to give him money. I just don't feel that the Cowboys will. Yeah, they might. Yeah, they might. probably won't do that. Yeah. So uh, other guys coming up for free agency, Dalton Schultz, who got a touchdown in yesterday's game, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Noah Brown, uh, Cooper Rush, then um, you've got Connor McGovern, Dante Fowler Jr., Leighton Vanderesh, Anthony Barr, Anthony Brown, Donovan Wilson, and Brett Maher. Um, uh, that's that's there's a twelve guys right there, notable free agents. Uh, that's not the incomplete list, but um, yeah, this is probably going to be a, a very very different looking team. Uh, we'll see. I think they're overpaying Zeke Elliott. Um, I think they're overpaying Dak. Uh, there's a lot of Guys, there that um, they need they need another weapon. CD Lamb is great, but um, you know losing Amari Cooper was tough. I think if they had those two weapons uh, as wideouts, I think they would have um, that would have benefited them a ton. And uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what they put together. Um, I think this was a really disappointing season for them. Uh, do you think they're going to view it that way too? Oh, man. Yeah, because the team was good enough to make it to the NFC Championship game, at least. Right? At least. And also, too, if they're looking at the 49ers thinking to themselves, well, that's their third string, right? <laughs> well, unfortunately, third string is really good. And and also, too, you're you're dealing with the, the, the ultimate wizard, the man that I consider possibly just right behind Belichick for greatest coaches. In Shanahan. Right. He has the pedigree. He has the bloodline. And then yeah. also, too, if you look at how many championship games he's got the 49ers to with, with who again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Seems yeah. like he, he's a wizard with whoever's be you know under center there. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh Mike McCarthy, I think he lasts another year, but um I think he was outcoached in this one. And um, yeah, he just doesn't seem to be that. Um, confident guy that you want um, on the sidelines and and calling plays. I, I just don't think he's he's the guy that's going to take them where they want to go to. And also, too, I, I think there's 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 something to that confidence where maybe he's not that confident in his quarterback either. At least when he was with Aaron Rodgers, he's like, I know you'll get it done, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Aaron Rodgers, right? But mm-hmm. now it's that Prescott. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Probably put that ball up for grabs again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Frustrating, yeah. Uh, I don't think Dak Prescott is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and um, you know, I just I, I think they've made a mistake hitching their wagon to him. Uh, I think uh, they they need to they need to make a move and send him packing and get somebody else in there because uh, I I don't think he's um, he's the guy. So uh, okay, so now we've got the Eagles hosting the Niners. Um, wow, like two Titans in the NFC. To me, definitely the two best teams. Uh, great to see that when it's the two best teams in the conference. Um, where do you see this game going? Who do you think wins? <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I think it's a coin flip. These teams are just that close to each other. Um, oh, man. Like, how about this? If the Eagles are able to solidify their run game to a certain extent, then I think that gives the Eagles an advantage. But I think the wild card in all of this is Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think he's the ultimate wild card. Like I think however that guy plays for this like very much a pressure situation, and so far he's been ultimately fantastic in the playoffs, depending on how he plays, he could be the guy that swings the whole game yeah. for the 49ers. Yeah, that's a very good observation for sure. I was thinking a, a lot along the same lines. Um, I think the Eagles can use a playbook that Dallas utilized uh, in this past game because their Dallas's defense was great. Dallas's defense deserves to get a, a chance at a Super Bowl. Uh, they're absolutely amazing, and um, I think uh, the Eagles will be able to um, shut down the Niners mostly in a lot of ways. Um you know, we, we talked lots this year about the Niners and all the weapons they have. Uh, the one catch that George Kittle made, that seemed yeah. to just shift the whole thing and finally get them an opportunity to march down and get the, get that touchdown. But, um, yeah, George Kittle uh, stepped up. What a, what a catch that was. That was an amazing catch where he was just like, oh, oh, fumbled it. And then once he finally caught it, I don't know if you, if you remember, but he just missed the safety almost decapitating him. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. he managed to just shift his weight out of the way so that that safety didn't hit him like that. So fantastic play. And then obviously Christian McCaffrey, Mr. I can do everything just runs it in for a touchdown. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was mostly shut down uh, through the game, but um, he got himself a touchdown and, and uh, was, was big definitely. So, uh, okay, let's switch to the AFC. Um we saw the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the host they hosted the upstart Jaguars, uh, beat them twenty-seven to twenty. Um, this game was really decided late as the uh, Chiefs recovered a fumble and picked off Trevor Lawrence late as well. Uh, I thought this game was way closer than I expected. I thought the Chiefs would blow them out. Um, the the ankle sprain for Patrick Mahomes really was a big factor in this game. And I think it's going to be a big factor in the upcoming game as well. Uh, his mobility was definitely limited after that. I was shocked that he even came back into the game. I I'm going to be honest. You see the instant replay of that. You're just like, you're lucky he didn't break his leg. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, that that's, that was a big line. It, like, big it, looked line similar, it looked similar to what happened to Pollard there for sure. Exactly, right? Like, he, he was lucky that he didn't break his leg. And so, but at the same time, you got, who's that guy again? Chad Henney comes into the game 
goes five and seven, throws a touchdown. And you're just no. like, ah, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. That was awesome. <laughs> right? And no. so then I'm thinking to myself, all right, if I'm the Chiefs and that dude just did that, why don't I just keep him in until I feel that he can't do it anymore? Right? But yeah. that's not what they did. They said, Holmes, are you good? Not really. Doesn't matter. Get back up there. <laughs> and they yeah. throw him back out there, and he's he's gaming. But at the same time, you can see how severely limited he was. But he he got it done. He got it done. So yeah. Well, uh, this is the fifth uh, fifth straight appearance in the conference finals for the Chiefs uh, since Mahomes and Andy Reid have been there. This team has been just one of the most elite teams in the league. And, um, yeah, they, they've been able to put things together like crazy. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a hell of a game. 14 oh, catches for 100 yards and a couple touchdowns. Uh, man, this guy is just the best tight end in the game by far. And uh, what a safety blanket. What an incredible weapon uh, for Mahomes. And uh, another just ph phenomenal game for Kelsey. Yeah. I guess that's what the best do. Right? Just like, hey. I know you can't you can't even move right now. That's okay. Just throw me the ball. <laughs> I'll catch it. <laughs> and that's Holmes is just like, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that. I'm just gonna have to throw you the ball. Yeah. And then that's the other thing that's just amazing about Mahomes, where like he's super hurt, right? Yeah. But then he throws that 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 jumping left footed jumping pass to Valdez Scantling in the back of the end zone, right. and you're like. Wait, what? <laughs> How did he do that again? Yeah. I, I guy amazes me. He amazes me all the time, and it just adds to his his legend. It just does. It just adds to his legend. Yeah, you're right. It sure does. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's incredible and uh, proving it uh, all the time. Just an, an amazing talent. Um, there, uh, I think it's her, maybe their third or fourth string running back. I say Pacheco. Uh, came in, had uh, only 12 carries for 96 yards. Um, they were able to um, yeah, get a lot of guys' carries in this game, and it was uh, smart game planning. Uh, as I mentioned, Kelsey was the big weapon there. Um, okay, what about the Jags? Uh, is this looked at as a uh, successful season after missing the playoffs, being really quite the fiasco last year? Uh, being able to uh, make it all the way this far, uh, did they chalk it up and say, hey, this was actually a good year? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Who would have thought that they would get this close to the AFC championship game? Yeah. You, you can only see it as, hey, there's you can only go up from here, man. Like That, that was an excellent season for them. Um, and the one thing that I, I, I noted, uh, I saw it on Instagram, was just how Trevor Lawrence is definitely becoming a leader of that team. Because you know what he did at the end of that game, even that they lost? He waited for every teammate in the tunnel, shook hands and hugged every one of them. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I looked at that and I said, that's a leader, man. That, that's, that's a dude that cares. And you know what? They're going to be in good hands with him the rest of the way, for sure. Uh, the only thing that I, I, I can say that I was really shocked at, and I don't understand what happened, but the Jags, once Mahomes came back in the game, the Jags barely pressured Mahomes. I thought I would all out blitz him, you know, bring this guy, get him back out of the game. 
I don't know why they didn't just uh, send guys from everywhere and and just really make him have to roll out of the pocket or you know try to get that pressure on him. What happened there? Why why wouldn't they have? It's almost like they said, you know what? He's kind of hurt. Let's let's give him a break. Let's give him a break, okay? They, you're absolutely right, though. I didn't get that. I, I thought they would have been blitzing him now 70% of the time on defense because why wouldn't you do that? The guy could barely move back there, right? And they didn't do it. It's I don't know if they were scared of his quick release. Like Then he'd just have to find his wide receivers very quickly and stuff. But it, you got to try. Yeah. You got to try, man, because what you just did, that clearly didn't work. You lost yeah, so that was uh that was a shocker to me um you know when you got when you got somebody down and hurt like that you gotta just uh put your throat put your foot on their throat and and uh you know just make sure that they're going out and uh you know to let Mahomes still stand in the pocket with no pressure just shocked me and I don't see their next opponent doing that I think that, I think the Bengals are going to rush the living hell out of Mahomes and put the pressure on him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the Jags had an opportunity to win there. Th- that was their only chance, really, I thought, to win. And uh, they blew it. They really blew it. Yeah, they they did. They they had an opportunity. They had a golden opportunity, a golden ticket, so to speak, and they, they just didn't cash it in. So yeah. now we get to go home. Uh, okay, I mentioned the uh, Chiefs' uh, next opponent, Bengals. Uh, they are, their kickoff is uh, Sunday uh, in KC, three thirty uh, Pacific, six thirty Eastern time at Arrowhead. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm glad that's not not a neutral site. I hated that possibility that it was going to be in, in Atlanta, and uh, you know, fifty thousand fans there. From all over the place, um, I heard Gerald Burrow step up to the mic right after the game and uh, said, "Hey, you better get those refunds sent out quick." And uh, <laughs> he was—he was pretty. I think he was choked because everybody had assumed the Bills were going to win this. Uh, they were going to take it. Yeah. And, uh, it was going to a neutral site, and uh, he said, "No, no, no, not, not going to happen. Better send out those refunds now." Uh, this is a Bengals team that uh, turned it around second half of the season. Obviously, last year's rise and uh, trip all the way to the Super Bowl uh, was not a fluke. This team is is really solid. Down three offensive linemen going into this one. You were thinking, oh, man, another one where they could get derailed with uh, a leaky offensive line. But uh, incredible game plan. Uh, got into Joe Burrow's hands. He got it out within two and a half seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Found the targets and great running game. And uh, bam, uh, they're back in it. Uh, they have a, a really good shot at the Super Bowl again. And uh, this team is this team is scary now. This team is really legit. The thing that I was most impressed by, even with they were out like three offensive linemen, the Bengals controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball. They, 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 they. Utterly dominated, dominated the Bills on both sides of the ball. Yeah. That was what impressed me the most. Where I'm like, my goodness, the battle of the line, Bengals are slaughtering the Bills. Yeah. Sla- like slaughtering them. It was great, I, wasn't it? Yeah. I couldn't believe how dominant they were. 
They they took their spinach that day for yeah. sure. All of them did. It was it was uh, shocking because you think okay, Orchard Park home for the Bills. Snow, uh, you know you got Josh Allen. You got this juggernaut team that's uh, hard to beat in Buffalo. And uh, this was not even close. Uh, Bengals got the ball first, marched down, scored a touchdown. Uh, Bills got it three and out immediately. Bengals go down, score another touchdown. It's over right then and there. The the Bills score 10 points. That game is over a few minutes into the the game. And um, I'm shocked. Uh, This was probably – I think this was uh, Josh Allen's worst game in the NFL. Uh, first game he's ever not thrown a touchdown. Uh, lowest point total of the season. Just on and on and on. I could throw out stats there, but um, the, the, like you say, both sides of the ball were dominated by the Bengals, and I don't think a lot of people thought it would be like this. No, man. And then also too, on top of that, it wasn't even close. Like the Bengals just literally blew them out. I thought, I honestly thought that the Bills would have that special something because of what happened to them all. All right? Yeah, I, yeah. I did think that. I thought that until the Bengals just said, we were part of that game as well. <laughs> and you know what? We want to win yeah. more than you. Yeah. Go. Yeah, th- this, th- this did seem like a team of destiny, you know. It, uh, after DeMar went down and he was able to recover, uh, he was at the game. They kept showing – Shots of him. It was hard to see him through the snow, but he was he was there, and uh, you know thought that uh, they were going to rally behind this, and uh, they were going to pull this out. Even when they went down, you still thought, okay, well, this team this team's got a great you know great offense. They're going to be able to put some points on the board, but uh, this is crazy. They've won forty seven games in the last four seasons, but they're only four and four in the playoffs, and uh, I don't know. I think they're missing that one piece, just like the, uh, just like most of the teams, they need that second wide out that's consistently able to catch that ball. If they can double team digs, then they needed that second guy that can get that ball. And uh, I think that was sorely lacking. Uh, I don't know what happened to the running game in this one. Uh, man, the running game for the Bengals uh, was just so dominant compared to the Bills. And that was, Huge because those drives were sustained long. They were able to get uh rushing attack as well as little passes out of the backfield. And um it was a, an amazing game plan by Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow perfected it. And uh this team is off to the conference championships again. Yeah. And and Joe Mixon, 20 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. And Burrows, two TDs, 242 yards, no picks. Yeah. And and the shots he took downfield were the shots he needed to take. Yeah. And Jamar Chase was usually there for him to catch the ball. And then, you know, like, and that, just what you said right there, where Diggs needs, like, a, another guy. I don't think Gabe Davis is that guy. But with Burrow's team, he's got Chase and he's got Higgins. Yeah. You could argue that both of them are number ones. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, like, so he has his choice of guys he can he can pass to. You know, so and, and Burrow again, just cooler than the other side of the pillow. Doesn't you know? Doesn't rush. Always takes his time. Like he just seems like he's always in control of the situation. Yeah. So I am super looking forward to him going against uh, Mahomes. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Mahomes was gonna have like Wolverine recuperative powers. Be like, no, nah, I'm good. Ankle's fine. Let's do this. <laughs> or is he gonna? Or is just gonna gut it out like again and just be like, I only got one good leg. I can think I can take Burrow. I can take him down. <laughs> yeah. One good. Uh, the most amazing thing is uh, Joe Burrow's never lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat them uh, three times in in thirteen months, and um, Burrow is not afraid of the Chiefs at all. Lots of the other teams in the league have been, and um, Burrow uh, should have had massive PTSD after last Super Bowl where he sacked ten times. Uh, never seemed to be able to get any time. Uh, this year, he just said, okay, even if I don't got an offensive line, I can still beat you. Here we go. And, uh, man, this guy, like you say, as cool as the other side of the pillow. And, um, man, uh, he's becoming one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL now. Oh, yeah. No, and also, too, like, he's 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 one of those guys that's like, yeah, I'm always going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm always going to be there. And Mahomes, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and, and, and almost like Mahomes is like, yeah, that's the one moron that I can't seem to beat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm putting money on this game, I'm actually putting money on the Bengals. I think with Mahomes banged up, uh, you know, th- that mobility issue will be tough. Uh, I'm going to send the kitchen sink if I'm the Bengals and, uh, you know, do what the Jags couldn't do. Uh, either knock him out of the game or force him to run. And uh, he's not going to be able to do those magic Mahomes passes we've seen. On one leg that's so compromised. High ankle sprains are really, really, really painful. Very hard to recover from. Takes months, usually months and months. And uh, there's no way he's 100% going into this game. No, man. You're right. There's no way. Like, the last time I heard of somebody with a bad high ankle sprain was Cooper Cup. He went under the knife. He had surgery, right? So those things can be super, super damaging. and like I said, I I do not I I think he's going to be compromised. There's no way he's going to be able to heal up enough that he's going to be fine for the game. Um, yeah, yeah. My pick is the Bengals Eagles going in here. Uh, you think who do you who who would you say is going to meet in the Super Bowl? Bengals 49ers. Bengals 49ers. Okay. Yeah, Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, the darling of the NFL. And then, like, I can just already see, like, the storylines. It's like, pick last. Pick, like, almost like pick last in a pickup game. Nobody cared about the little guy. But <laughs> he, he knew better. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, there's been very, very, very few quarterbacks pick six round or later that have made it this far. And uh, this is a storybook rise. If he can, if he can win a championship here with the Niners, uh, there's a movie coming out pretty soon. Yeah, and also too, I think he told this. He wins the Super Bowl. He goes, so I start next year, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> Trey Lance, who? Uh, yeah, Jimmy G, who? Like oh, yeah. those guys out of town. Yeah, it, it's like it's like uh, Tom Brady esque. You know, yeah. holy cow, we we saw him come in and and shock the world, win a Super Bowl in his first opportunity and uh Brock Purdy, you know, so far there's no chinks in the armor. No, no chinks at all. Like, it, he just, he just does all the right things, makes all the right reads. And, like if, if he continues to keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think the 49ers have found themselves their quarterback. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, well, I'm excited. I'm sure looking forward to those two games. Man, the, the, this this is when NFL football is elite. You got the top four teams, uh, absolutely the best of the best, and uh, these, these should be two titanic battles. Yeah, it's going to be two titanic battles. I expect both uh, both games to be super close and super entertaining. Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, I guess uh, Brett Maher, with all his troubles uh, kicking the ball, uh, we'll see. He's a free agent now. Not sure what happened. Yeah, that was shocking when he got uh, the extra point blocked. And, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the Cowboys are in trouble. The guy cannot make a kick. It didn't seem to matter. It didn't change anything. Um, Sean Payton today uh, interviewed for the Panthers position. Uh, head coach position. Uh, he's been all around, all around, and uh, we'll see where he stops. Um, a lot of coaches are uh, interviewing for positions, getting ready to. Uh, Wink Martindale was uh, co- um, in for the Colts um, head job today. Uh, we'll see. Um, lots of moving pieces in the head coaching ranks, and it's going to be interesting to see who lands where. So are you telling me the Colts didn't keep Jeff Saturday? How weird is that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, I, I guess it's not a done deal because, you know, somebody's got to say yes to the job. But uh, <laughs> I think they will be moving on from Jeff Saturday. <laughs> oh, that, that is surprising. That is surprising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, okay, that was great. Uh, great coverage of the NFL. Uh, let's talk about the first pay-per-view card of uh, 2023, UFC 283 from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, Three-year wait for those Brazilian fans. Um, I was actually kind of disappointed in the energy of the crowd there. I thought we would feel the same as we felt uh, when they went to the UK. Um, some of the cards in the last uh, couple of years have been dynamic once we had the fans back, but um, I felt like they weren't, um, you know, very into it at a lot of points uh, during the, during the night, and especially with so many Brazilians as part of the card. You know what? Now that you mention it, you're right. They were a little bit more subdued. For Brazilians, yeah, you're right. Like it, it did seem like it was lacking something. Plus, on top of that, I don't know how it could have been. It was a great card. Yeah, fantastic, super stacked card. Yeah, for sure, and tons of Brazilians, as I mentioned. Um, I was really looking forward to this quadrilogy between Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno. Um, I was kind of disgusted that they uh, started throwing tons of stuff as Moreno was exiting. Yeah the cage and trying to get back to the dressing rooms. Uh, even in the main event, um, Glover Teixeira had to say, okay, I'm going to walk with Hill back to the dressing rooms. So yes. don't throw stuff at us because you're going to hit me too. He had to, to implore the crowd to be cool and not chuck stuff. Um, that's not cool. Why, why was that happening? I, I love the Brazilian crowds. Normally they're amazingly sportsmanship. And, and super respectful, but uh, there was a bad element there that um, we're throwing stuff at Moreno for that performance. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I, you you can be uh, mad at the stoppage, but that's not Moreno's fault. 
No. That's not Moreno's fault at all. Like he, he won that fight. Plus, on top of that, I'm gonna add this. I don't think Davidson even won any, any rounds up to that point, anyways. No. I, no, I didn't believe he did. No, so, I thought he was down three rounds. Uh, I, for sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like I don't know what the I don't know what the complaint is, but yeah, that that shouldn't be tolerated. And yeah. you know what? Like if I'm the UFC, I'm like, well, if you guys are gonna act like that. Well, I guess we'll see you in another three years. Maybe we won't. Yeah, bring another card there. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was disappointed. I was really excited, looking forward to seeing the legends in Brazil. Haven't had a card there. You know, they hoist Gracie and the Gracie family came from Brazil, set up the UFC in America. But the ties and the links back to Brazil have always been there. And um, this was a card that I had been anticipating for a long, long time. Uh, really happy to go back there. You get to see tons of Brazilians in the crowd, tons of the legends there. Hoist was there. That was really awesome to see. Uh, we got to see Shogun Hula's uh, retirement fight in Brazil. We knew that was coming. Uh, Glover Teixeira actually retired as well, and we did not know that was coming, but we got to see two retirements uh, to, for two Brazilian legends. And uh, Jose Aldo was named to the Hall of Fame there. So, uh, you know, there should have been absolute pandemonium going on there. If this is in Canada and all those legends of the sport were there, uh, the, the place would have just had the roof blown right off of it. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and yet, again, there was this weird subdued, like, atmosphere to it where you're just like, aren't you happy? These are your legends. These are your literally your MMA heroes and you're not really showing as much love or affection as I thought they would have because Brazilians are usually very passionate people. I just feel the passion that I thought I would have felt. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, Okay. Let's get into the main event and uh, talk about that. Um, This was a, uh, this was a great matchup, I thought, uh, on paper. I thought, wow, uh, a really, really solid matchup. Jamal Hill has been on a meteoric rise. He had only uh, raised up to number seven ranked, but uh, because of um, some weird things that had happened, we lost Yuri Perhachka to a bad shoulder injury. Uh, horrible fight just happened a month ago between Megamed Ankalaev and Gamblehovich, and they they didn't deserve a rematch. So, boom, this fight was put together quick. And uh, suddenly we were going to see a light heavyweight battle. Um, Glover Teixeira uh, got the belt about a year ago uh, after, you know, such a long story career, was able to really finally be the champ. You thought maybe he had the edge here against Hill, but that was not the case. Uh, Hill beat up Glover really badly. Um, a lot of people thought that this fight should have been stopped early. Glover is just incredibly tough, amazing chin on him, and he took a bad beating. Uh, it's nice to see when they allow a champion, former champion, keep going and going. Uh, I I don't know where I land on um, who, if it should have been stopped early or not, but uh, this was a hell of a battle, and Jamal Hill really proved that he deserves the crown and is now the new UFC light heavyweight champ. And, and also, too, like throughout the course of that fight, the one damaging strike that Glover couldn't seem to um, avoid was the left high kick. Yeah. Left high kick. And when he blocked it, even with the one arm, 
oh, that's not enough of a block. Like that, that was a heavy kick and it shook his brain more than a couple times, especially in the third round. I think he shook his brain in the fourth round. I want to say he even shook his brain in the fifth round. Say he he managed to get that kick through a ton. And yeah. Jamal Hill was able to put together combinations, get him up against the fence, throw those uppercuts, deadly uppercuts. I will say this though, Lover Tejera is 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 an animal. Like he's 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 a savage. Like yeah. how, how do you survive that? And and come back firing. Yeah. Like, like like old man. That was the thing, yeah. That was the yeah. thing that uh, you know he just kept him in it because he yeah. would take four or five, six shots, and then yeah. he would fire back shots yeah. that would actually land and and be yeah. pretty telling. So yeah, he's a savage, absolute monster that just you know could not uh, would not would not quit and and just kept at it. Uh, it must have been tough for the ref. You know, okay, it's time to stop. No, he's actually yeah. still fighting. Holy cow, he landed some shots there. Uh, yeah. She's like, no, okay, here it goes. And it was unbelievable to watch it. Unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I kept seeing, that he took a he took a hellacious beating, but he always fired back with something, even at the end of it. So it showed incredible heart. And it, it, you know what? That fight kind of epitomized his whole career. Yeah. It really did. It epitomized his whole career. And uh, he he went down fighting. Yeah, He went down fighting. So, you know what? And he's got nothing to be ashamed of. Like, if that's if that's it for him, which I believe it is since he did retire, uh, I don't think he's going to be doing the comeback thing. I don't think he's going to be doing that. I doubt it. Um, yeah. 43 like, years old, probably not. No. Yeah, so, like, I, I, hey, he had one hell of a career. Future Hall of Famer. You better be anyways. And, uh, yeah, I think he's really accomplished everything he ever wanted to do in the sport. Yeah, you're right. Um, I saw today they uh, put out the list of people that were given six months medical suspensions. He was on it, uh, broke his nose severely, uh, so um, they will not allow him to fight for six months. He's retired, like you say. Uh, Jamal yeah. Hill also broken uh, nose and uh, won't be able to fight for the next six months, so... Uh, we won't be able to see a title fight with him for a while. Uh, other people that broke their noses, we're going to get into those fights uh, later, but I might as well list them off as well. Lauren Murphy, who <laughs> got beat real bad. Uh, Paul Craig, who uh, Johnny Walker really beat bad. Uh, all suffered broken noses, the four of them. And um, the only other guy that got a six-month medical suspension was Davidson Figueredo who has an orbital fracture. Yes. And, um, yeah, you could see his eye just immediately close, and we'll talk about him in a sec. But, um, yeah, I I was very impressed with Jamal Hill. Uh, this guy, you know, once he gets off this suspension, I think he has a really legit opportunity to uh, hold the spell for a while and uh, be one of those champions that, you know, can sustain it for, for a few years. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he has the tools to keep that belt for a, for a bit. I, I really do. And a great win for him. And you could see all the emotion come out of him at the end of that fight and stuff. And luckily like the Brazilian fans couldn't throw that far into the octagon. So that was cool. Um, and so he had his moment and that was cool. That was cool yeah. to see. Yeah. Um, were you surprised at Glover's retirement? Yes and no. I, I honestly thought that the end was coming for him anyways. Like, it, you can only fight for so long, man. 
And like, you know, he's get he's closing in on 40, right? No, he's 43. Oh, sorry. So he's 43, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Like, okay, so two more years, you're 45 and you're five years away from 50. Yeah, man, I think, I think you've done enough. I think you've done enough. I think you put your body through enough. I think your brain has put itself through enough. Like, I think there's, there's got to be a time where you just go, okay, enough's enough. It's time. I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, good for him. Uh, I, I, I think he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, uh, an amazing uh, end to his career. Just an amazing uh, guy. And uh, now he'll be able to concentrate on coaching Alex Pereira who's uh, the new champion there and uh, focuses his time on having a, a champ in there, Jim. And um, I think he's really excited and looking forward to that. So, uh, okay, let's talk about the co-main event, a quadrilogy between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Uh, these first three fights have been just spectacular. Uh, TSN locally here decided to show all three of those fights preceding the uh, prelims and it was great to get a refresher watch them again see those great battles that went back and forth and uh, this is finally an opportunity for one guy to just stamp it and say i'm the best out of these two guys i'm i should be considered one of the greatest flyweights of all time and brandon moreno uh gets to bring the belt back to mexico uh first and only mexican-born champion in the ufc history um, there was not a dry eye in the place when he won it the first time. Amazing to see him accomplish it again. Uh, he dominated this, this fight, uh, three rounds. I thought he won all three rounds. Uh, it was sad to see that, uh, Figueredo got the orbital fracture from a punch. The thumb hit the side of the eye, must've just broke the, broke the orbital bone there. Uh, once it closed, I'm glad they stopped it. Uh, it would not have been good to see him fighting just one eye. Um, tough, tough for Figueredo, but uh, yeah, uh, Brandon Moreno is the new champion. And uh, man, this guy is amazing. What a career and what an accomplishment. Great, great victory here. Great, great victory. Fantastic victory. I thought this was the fight where I, I thought that Brandon Moreno finally figured Figueredo out. Right. I thought he figured him out. He seemed to be a step ahead the entire fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, to very timely takedowns when he wanted to do the takedowns. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was more patient, especially with his counterattacks and how he approached Figueredo. He was throwing the combinations while Figueredo was only throwing one shot at a time. Yeah, there, there was differences there in that entirety of that fight. And then when he landed that left that, that basically closed uh, Figueredo's eye, I Figueredo put it put his hand out to to say no i thought that was like a finger to the eye and i guess it kind of was and it kind of wasn't yeah. it was like kind of in that gray area right because he did receive the punch damaged the eye and then as he was pulling the punch away i think the thumb got in the eye somehow right, right. so anyways regardless of all of that i thought moreno just like yourself won all three rounds and it just it wasn't it wasn't close really no. I think that's one of the reasons why the Brazilian fans were um, booing so much, booing so much, and throwing things they 
Uh, they weren't probably privy to many of the replays we saw. I think yeah. they thought that it was an illegal eye poke from a finger, a thumb, yeah. whatever. And uh, usually the fighter gets five minutes, gets an opportunity to recover, and then they can move on. Doctor will come in and see if his vision's okay. But um, once uh, once he had protested, went back, the fight did not stop, and huh. they kept at it. And I think a lot of the fans that were outside the cage probably thought, hey, this is an illegal eye poke. Why is you know this fight not being stopped? And and why suddenly is Figueredo the loser? Um, that that's got to frustrate you if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. If if you're not privy to seeing the the instant replay and stuff, or it's not shown on the jumbotron, which I don't know if that stadium even had one or anything else like that. So if you don't know, you don't know. And mm -hmm. from, from what you can see from your seat, you're just like it looked like an eye poke. Was that an eye poke? Because especially with the way he reacted. But he reacted that way because that punch broke his orbital bone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I would react that way, too. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad the doctor stopped it there. Uh, this was bizarre, too, because in the post-fight interview, he starts taking his gloves off, and uh, we're like, oh, okay, that symbols uh, retirement. Uh, is he going to be retiring here? Wow, this is bizarre. And he said, I'm retiring from the flyweight division. I'm moving up to bantamweight. Uh, kind of symbolic and interesting and strange, but um, he had always said he had such a hard time making his weight cut, getting yeah. to that weight. Uh, I think he's going to be undersized at bantamweight, and I think he'll going to have some trouble with the elite of that weight class. But, um, you know, maybe... Maybe we'll see a different guy that can throw a bit more, that can be a little more busy, because um, he definitely was the second busiest fighter in a lot of those fights against uh, Moreno. And, um, you know, if you don't land that telling punch, you're losing round after round after round. Uh, it's going to be tough to do it, even if you move up a weight class. Yeah, but I think just because of how stringent like him trying to get to that weight was for him i think he'll definitely have a better time i think he'll be healthier fighter at the at the higher weight class and it just won't be it just won't be such an ordeal for him to always lose that weight to get down there because we saw how bad that was for him and i've always thought i you know what if it's that bad for you and if it's now affecting you like literally your health you just go up to the next weight whatever let it be what it is you know what I mean? Um, yeah, he's going to be short for that weight class. Uh, they're going to have to find the right type of opponents. Maybe he's reached a, a, a lead status where it can just be sort of pick and choose. It doesn't have to be the you know top five, top seven, whatever. I, I think he's he's uh, wading into some really tough, deep waters if he wants to fight the elite of that weight class. But I think there's a lot of fights that can be made that should be pretty fun. Yeah, I, I, I believe so, too. I, I think there's going to be a ton of fights for him. And again, I, I think he's just he's going to show more because he's going to have more energy. He's going to be healthier in that. Uh, after uh, Moreno left the cage and went backstage, Alexander Pantoja, a Brazilian that's ranked number two in this division, accosted him, said, I'm next. You're mine. I'm going to knock you out for the third time. He was after him. Uh, Moreno's like, hey, let me enjoy this for a few hours or a few days. <laughs> but uh, sounds like 
this is uh, imminent, uh, match made in heaven type of thing. Uh, we saw it with Alex Pereira against Israel Adesanya. They had two matches in kickboxing. Uh, Pereira was able to uh, beat Adesanya. You thought, okay, it's going to be different when they come into mixed martial arts in the UFC. And uh, Pereira ended up getting the shocking victory. Uh, Pantoja wants to do the same. And um, he beat him in the contender series and uh, beat him once already now at the UFC. Uh, I think this will be a very interesting matchup if they put it together because of that. They'll be able to say, hey, I beat the champ twice already. I'm going to take his belt. Yeah, and there's a reason why he did that, right? To generate that heat. Yeah. You know, where he's just like, okay, this is my shot. And then Moreno's just like, wow, you are a jerk. I just won the belt. <laughs> and But at the same time, if I'm Moreno, and once I cool down, I, I would understand why he did what he did. He took his shot, right? Yeah. He took his shot because he saw it there, saw his opportunity. And it, he's probably going to get it. In like four or five months, they'll probably make that fight with him against Pantoja, and Pantoja will get his wish. Yeah. Now... The thing is, though, he's Brandon Moreno's not the same dude that you beat last time when you fought in the UFC. That is not the same dude not whatsoever. Same dude. No, so, no, yeah, I, I look forward to it when they do make that fight because yeah, that'll probably- be ex- very exciting and uh, incredible. Uh, Brandon Moreno has had uh, some tough times uh, outside the cage. Uh, James Krause was his coach uh, heading into this fight. Uh, James Krause was banned. And uh, all of the fighters were told, uh, if you are coached by Krause, you will not be able to fight in the UFC. So he had to move camps. Uh, he chose um, Fortis MMA. Saif Saud is uh, his coach and uh, really good performance. Very good coaching. They had six weeks to uh, get the game plan together. And I thought Moreno looked better than he ever has. And uh, shout out to him. Um, that was Pretty, that must have been pretty crazy for uh, Moreno to have to deal with all that outside and certainly uh, shift camps to try to get a guy in there that can help you win the title. Yeah, of course. Like, that, that must have been pretty crazy for anybody in James Krause's camp, period. Where it's like, wait, the FBI just kicked down that dude's door? Oh, yeah, he's probably going to go to jail. Okay, great. I need to find a new camp pronto. And especially right. if you're Moreno going... Oh man, I got a, like a championship, like you know, belt thing to do. Oh, this is great, but he managed to um, pivot quickly and find a camp that suits him to the extreme. Because like, look what he was able to do. He, and like you said, he looked better than he ever has yeah. in any of his fights against Figueroa. So, yeah, it was impressive. That's for sure. Very impressive. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Moreno back in action soon. Hopefully they. Put together something uh, really quickly. Uh, okay, let's start flying through the rest of the card. We had a great welterweight battle between Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny. Uh, Burns was able to get the uh, incredible triangle choke, uh, arm triangle, and get the big this, uh, submission victory. Uh, didn't last very long. Uh, he um, got his takedown. Not very much uh, resistance from Magny to get the takedown. And then uh, just had to keep transitioning to the point where he could finally sink in a submission, and uh, he got the win. Here's a funny thing for you. He, uh, Burns actually listened to his wife for this particular fight. 
where his wife asked him, please don't get into a firefight and just like, you know, finish it quick. <laughs> Submission. Good. Nice. Learned to listen and did exactly what his wife wanted him to do. Nice. <laughs> nice. And so yeah. I, yeah. He, well, after know. that, after that Kamzat Chamaya fight, yeah. I thought, uh, yeah, he needed to uh, get a better game plan. Don't get into such a battle. And uh, yeah, this was uh, absolutely perfect to a team. Oh, and perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect to a T. Orchestrated the game plan, like just, just flawlessly. And uh, because Neil Magny's a great fighter, and he made him look uh, like again, like he's not even close to his level. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, it was a great win for Burns, and great to see him back on the winning track. Uh, he called out Colby Covington. Um, I, I'd love to see that uh, happen. Um, usually, a lot of guys say a lot of bad things about Covington. He said, no, uh, him and Covington have actually had a lot of good words. And he said, you know, uh, the guy basically just puts on the persona for yeah. the media and uh, try to uh, hype up fights. But he said, no, no, he's a pretty good dude. And I, uh, but I do look forward to fighting him and I think it'll be a good battle. So hopefully the UFC can put that together. Uh, okay. There was a women's fight on the main card. I looked at it going in and thought, uh oh. Uh, bad matchup, uh, a bit bad mismatch. Uh, nobody likes to see men hit women, and this was almost to the point where you were looking at a man hitting a woman here. Uh, Jessica Andrade. I I don't know what Andrade does to make herself uh, look the way she does, but um, you know, I, I don't know if it's HGH. Don't know if it's steroids. Don't know if it's uh, supplements or she just naturally. Uh, is able to generate uh, the kind of size and power and strength that she does in the gym. But um, this was uh, this was tough to watch. Uh, I thought this should have been stopped way, way, way sooner than it was. Uh, Lauren Murphy was a bloody mess. She, her face was beat up super bad. And uh, she, as I mentioned earlier, broke her nose. Uh, bad, bad, bad shape. It's going to take her a while to recover from this. This was uh, not good. I, I did not enjoy this fight. I, I don't like seeing uh, somebody get beat up that bad when it's such a mismatch. Uh, it was a super mismatch. Like, Andrade got, went into that octagon, felt Lauren Murphy's power and said, wow, I don't have anything to worry about coming back to me. Like, nothing. So I'm just going to just keep marching forward and eventually I should get her out of there, right? Well, Lauren Murphy is super tough and <laughs> couldn't, but made Lauren Murphy's face look like hamburger by the end. Yeah. Like, like kicks, like it did. she hurt her with everything. Jeez. I'm pretty sure like the next day, Lauren Murphy probably couldn't move because she hit her so hard so many times for three rounds straight. I was amazed that Lauren Murphy's corner didn't even consider throwing in the towel. Yeah. I guess maybe that's what she wanted. Maybe she had that private conversation with her coaches and said, you don't stop this fight. You know, like that does happen. But at the same time, the coaches have a responsibility and a duty to protect their fighters. They failed that miserably in this yeah. fight because yeah. after that second round, if you're trying to tell me that Laura Murphy still had a chance to win this fight, yeah, you're freaking – no, she did not. No, no chance. Zero. I, I actually no. had it scored 10-8 all three rounds. Yeah. Andrade. 
the referee, uh, the judges ended up scoring at 30, 25, uh, across the board, but, uh, this was such a, a brutal, brutal, brutal beatdown. Uh, her face looked horrible and I'm, I am very shocked that her corner didn't say, you know, up, oh, you know, time to fight a new day. We, you're just taking too much abuse. Um, Andrage is one of the toughest girls to ever step into the octagon and uh, 15 and seven now in the UFC, uh, 24 and nine record. And uh, Lauren Murphy is only eight and six in the UFC and uh, is just on a different level. Um, I hope, that uh, USC matchmakers look at this and and uh, make sure they don't do this again because th- this this really I think sometimes can shed a light and if somebody was watching this for the first time um, they they're gonna be like uh, maybe I won't watch that it's too brutal it's too bloody it's too it's not not a sport for me and uh, they could have lost fans uh, they could have had fans that tuned in for the first time that will never tune back. Yeah, because like you tune into this stuff too for competition. There was no competition in this fight. There was none. You just saw somebody else beating up the other person for 15 minutes straight, yeah. and that that's not that's not enjoyable television for me. No, no, I hated it, and I, I wish they didn't put this uh, this card to fight together. But um, on to the next. Uh, let's talk about the fight that kicked off the main card. Uh, we had Paul Craig. Who we we both love. Uh, you say, uh, watch your arms. Do not get, get uh, into any type of grappling situations with this guy because he'll rip your arm right off. Well, Johnny Walker uh, has had his ups and downs in the UFC, but this one was an amazing performance. After he threw a kick, Paul Craig caught it. Uh, Johnny Walker just landed some serious, serious shots. Took Paul Craig down to the ground with the shots. And then started hammer fisting him into submission. It was a brutal beatdown. Uh, one of Johnny Walker's, if not the best performance ever, he's had in his career. Yeah, he threw that. He threw that right uh, front kick. Paul Craig caught it, and he said, "Oh, you can keep it. Cool. I'm just gonna be punching in the head with my right hand." Like he drove his fist into his head so many times, and then eventually. Paul Craig crumbled, and he just kept hammering him until the ref stopped it. Great win by 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 Walker. Did the worm after yeah. in celebration where I'm like, didn't you dislocate your shoulder last time you do that? Oh, okay, he's going for it again. Bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. Great great yeah I hated seeing him do that. Uh, he, he should not uh, do that because he did get injured pretty badly from – the worm and the celebration before, but uh, yeah, this was ugly. Uh, when when a fighter catches a kick, suddenly their both hands are tied up now, and uh, they have no defense to stop kicks, stop punches, stop things from coming. And uh, Paul Craig should have let go very soon after maybe the second shot. Uh, if he would have let go, he might have had a ch- chance, but he just stayed. Wrapped around that leg until the end, and uh, it came quite quickly. But man, he took a lot of very, very, very hard shots. Yeah, he, he took some vicious shots. Um, I, I, I think he probably to the end thought, "I, I got him, I got him, I, I, I got him. I'm gonna take him to the ground." And it's like, no, no, actually, you're not. <laughs> Just yeah. 
And it's and Paul Craig's dangerous, you know. He grabs a leg, grabs an arm. Usually, he doesn't uh, go, and he can usually submit you. But uh, Johnny Walker was having none of that. Uh, I I saw some great comments today from Johnny Walker's coach, John Cavanaugh, who's uh, Conor McGregor's coach. And uh, Johnny decided to move to Ireland. Has been training under Cavanaugh for the past couple of years now. And um, it seems like Johnny's been able to figure this out. And, um, yeah, I think uh, uh, after performances like that, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. I think they're going to give him some really high-level competition, and we'll see how he can uh, how he can shake it shake it out. Yeah, yeah, hopefully he can bounce back and then uh, start getting some, like, uh, some, some wins in the win column and not yeah. have so, so much of an up-and-down fluctuations as he has. Yeah, after after his um, win against uh, the Hulk, Ion Kutulaba, uh, that's two in a row from him. For him, he had lost four of his previous five. Uh, Jamal Hill knocked him out. Tiago Santos beat him. Nikuda Krylov and Corey Anderson all beat him in a stretch there. And you were wondering, oh, you know, is this guy legit? But his athleticism is phenomenal. Uh, his size uh, is just spectacular. I don't think he'll be able to stay at light heavyweight for his entire career. I just don't think he'll be able to keep getting down to that weight. But um, maybe another fight or two, and then I, I think he's a he's a guy projected to go into the heavyweight division eventually. Yeah, I I, I agree with you on that. Um, it, that's eventually going to happen. But for now, as long as he keeps improving, keeps getting the win column. Um, you know, yeah, I I think he's on an upward trajectory now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, let's switch to the prelims. Feature fight on the prelims had the uh legend Mauricio Shogun Hua. Um a guy that's a pioneer, trailblazer, champion, absolute legend that's been in the sport for so many years. Uh facing a Ukrainian Ihor Poteria. Uh, I thought uh, we're going to see a great performance by Shogun, but it was not to be. Uh, he gets knocked out in his final fight. Uh, always sad to see guys end their legendary careers this way, but it's the uh, reality of the fight game. Uh, they're not going to give you some puff cake to go in there and finish it off. They're going to yeah. give you a guy that wants to take your head off. And um, he did. It didn't last long. Uh, unfortunately for Shogun. Yeah, it, it, it didn't. But they, you show glimpses. You show glimpses in that fight. There was a couple combinations, a couple hooks that he threw in there. Where I'm like, ooh, ooh, I remember that guy. But there's one thing I did have written down in my notes where I'm like, wow, he looks like he's in peak shape. Peak shape, Hua. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he's always kind of looked like that, but there's there's been many times where he, at least he looked a little bit better than what he did for that yeah. particular night. So, you know, for me, when when a fighter starts doing that, the ends near, the yeah. ends in sight, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, Patera, hey, he landed that short. I think he landed a short right hand that shook him, and then managed to finish the fight after that. But after all said and done, legendary career, Hall of Famer, absolute legend. The wars that he's been in, uh, including the UFC and Pride, and all of that stuff combined. Uh, he's 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 somebody that I always look forward to watching his fights because oh, yeah. I knew I would be extremely entertained. 
as I watched him fight. Oh, yeah. He was so entertaining and so great. Um, he fought Dan Henderson, one of the greatest fights I've ever witnessed, probably top three fights that uh, I've ever seen live. Um, yeah, he uh, he just had uh, – you mentioned pride, and he just had so many battles against some of the top people, you know, in, in the sport. Uh, listen, listen to the murderer's role of guys over his career here. Uh, he fought Mark Coleman, Kevin Randleman, Alistair Overlean, Forrest Griffin, uh, Chuck Liddell, Leota Machida a couple times, John Jones, uh, Dan Henderson a couple times, Alex Gustafson, Brandon Vera, Chael Sonnen, uh, Ova St. Preux, the Nogueira brothers, Corey Anderson, Anthony Smith, uh, Paul Craig, Ova St. Preux. Uh, yeah, just unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. The who's who. Of that division, uh, one of the premier divisions in the sport, and um, yeah, uh, you know he will go down as as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, definitely goes down as one of the greatest. Um, always was entertained with his fights; like he was just so fan friendly. And yeah, that fight with Dan Henderson is one of my all time favorites because it was just nothing but guts, will. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those kind of fights where you're just like, ah, oh, let's throw all the technique out the out the window and let's just go at it. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Good. Brings back a lot of great memories and sad to see him go, but uh every fighter eventually reaches the end and and uh hopefully the UFC steps up and recognizes him and, and puts him in the Hall of Fame very soon, too. Um, okay, this was a battle, this middleweight battle between Gregory Robocop Rodriguez against uh, newcomer Bruno Hulk Ferreira. Uh, this was supposed to be Rodriguez's win. He had a fight. Uh, this this is a late replacement. Ferreira comes in. A uh, much bigger guy. Rodriguez dwarfed Ferreira uh, until, wham, shot lands. And it was a one-punch KO knockout. Absolutely uh, shocking result. And uh, one of my highlights of the night. Left hook, uh, like, perfect shot to the chin. Shut his lights out. Done. Like, yes. even I, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, Rodriguez seems to be controlling this. Oh! And then it was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and was talking because of the fact that Rodriguez was controlling the fight up to that point. And then, and then the fight was over. So that dude is nicknamed Hulk. Great name. Yeah. Great name because he's got the power of a Hulk. Jeez, it was awesome. Very impressive. And holy cow, uh, he's this much smaller man. Uh, it just it didn't look like uh, he had a path to victory in this one until just, bam, landed that shot. Uh, yeah. Goodbye, Rodriguez. And uh, nice way to get your UFC debut. Uh, he was definitely an underdog going in and, and uh, yeah, he continues his undefeated streak now, ten and zero. Uh, one of five undefeated UFC middleweights, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him in action again. It'll be fun to watch. Um, okay, what about the uh, uh, debut of Mizikal Costa against Tiago Moises? Uh, Moises to me was um, the dominant fighter in this one. He uh, was able to um, end up getting a rear naked choke. Uh, 
Uh, it wasn't under the chin, and yeah. so I'm not really sure right. why there was such a, a quick tap. It was kind of over his mouth and yeah. maybe hurting his chin, but um, uh, Moises uh, gets the gets the big victory. Yeah, Moises gets the big victory. Um, just slowly but surely broke down Costa yeah. with the takedowns, and Costa was beginning to accept the positioning on the mat more and more. He was feisty at first, and then it was just like, he got tired out, and Moises was relentless until finally he was able to get the back in the second round and get the win with the, the rear naked choke submission. Um, Moises looked great, looked good. And uh, I think, though, Costa will be a good um, fighter in the UFC. Um, I think he was just outmatched in this particular fight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he, I think he'll, he has a potential of uh, great Brazilian and, uh, yeah, he just got a little gassed and, uh, Moises took advantage. So, uh, okay. We had, uh, two brothers making their UFC debuts. Gabriel Bonfim is the guy we're going to talk about next. Uh, he was able to get a submission victory only 49 seconds into his UFC debut. Uh, he said he was massively energized by his brother's victory that happened earlier in the card, uh, he was able to um, he was able to just uh, end up getting the guillotine when Lazez shot for a double leg takedown, uh, and he just uh, dog on a bone was able to sink it in, and uh, there's no way uh, Lazez could get out of it. A uh, really impressive guillotine uh, choke submission. Less than a minute into your UFC debut. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. I, I will say this, Lazez made a mistake, a technical mistake. He put his neck out there when he tried to take him to the ground. And Bonfem saw that and immediately capitalized on it. Yeah. it. That was like within half a second, he had that cinched up, took him to the ground, rolled him up, and it was over. It was mm -hmm. over. Lazez knew it. He was just like, maybe I can wriggle it. No, no, no wriggling out. You're, you're going to die. You don't tap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he got uh, 50K for um, for that performance. And um, the, uh, yeah, that was a uh, pretty impressive, very nice uh, way to, to get your debut performance. Uh, there was another five bites on the is it five or holy cow there's actually six fights in the early prelims i know you didn't get a chance to see uh much of this but um i'll just fly through jelton i'm almeida an amazing ko performance uh from him uh cody stamen got the decision when oh uh ismail bonfi he got his knockout uh two minutes and 17 seconds in uh terrence mckinney um this double knee if you haven't seen it, Jason, if the viewers and listeners haven't seen it, watch this fight. Oh, my God, this flying double knee that he lands on Terrence McKinney is amazing, amazing, amazing. Got him 50K. Uh, one of the knockouts of the year, if not ever. It was spectacular. And uh, look out. Uh, these two guys, two different weight classes coming in. Same card. Uh, this is going to be pretty cool to watch these guys rise. Yeah, that, that's awesome that both brothers got the win. And especially with Ismail getting the win over a very dangerous Terrence McKinney. Yeah. Never thought he would have a chance of winning that fight. To be honest. 
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, awesome card all around. I uh, loved it. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad uh, they put such such a stacked card together. I was not impressed with the Brazilian crowd, but um, hey, hopefully uh, it's not three years before they go back there and uh, they can redeem themselves. Uh, I don't know why the crowd was subdued. It was kind of weird, but uh, man, if I was there, I would have been losing my mind. There was just so many great stoppages. So many awesome performances, and uh, this was uh, a hell of a night. Uh, we've got one week off before um, we've got uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis and Sergey Spivak, the heavyweight co-main event, coming up in two weeks' time. Yeah, uh, it's going to be great to see the Black Beast. I, I think he was supposed to fight earlier, but unfortunately he had some health issues that yeah. didn't allow him to fight, so hopefully he has that I've lost some of your audio. Oh, uh, can you can you hear me? Hear me? Can you hear me? You lose. We've lost your audio, kind of. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Now. No, you found. You sound like you're in a tunnel or something. Oh. Uh, uh. Wonder what would have changed. I don't know. I there you go. Any... That's better. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Press whatever you press. Uh, it helped. I don't know what I did. I, I pressed the volume button and then things got better. <laughs> anyway, going back to what I said, um, I I look forward to seeing uh, the Black Beast just knocking people out. And Sergey Spivak, man, good luck. Good yeah. luck to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, uh, let's just uh, end it with uh, some NBA talk. Um, there was uh, yeah some interesting things over the weekend. Uh, some great things coming this week. Really excited about some things. I want to say congratulations to DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he's playing in his 1,000th NBA game today. Uh, the longtime Raptor is uh, playing great in Chicago. And, um, yeah, having one of those career years there. And I think, um, yeah, many, many, many more years to come. Even though he's played 1,000 games, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to still see him for – for quite a few years. Oh yeah, yeah. He he's he still got it. He's still so good, and I kind of had a resurgence in Chicago. So I I, I expect great things from him still going forward for sure in his career. Uh, Lakers made a big trade today. They uh, acquired Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards for Kendrick Nunn and three second round picks. Um. They said they needed to get a, uh, a forward in there to, to help them out. And uh, the Japanese native, Rui Hachimura, is the guy. Well, that it's definitely going to add some size to uh, the rotation of the Lakers and some, uh, some defensive help for sure. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good pickup for them. Um, and I think he's going to fit in well with LeBron, who loves – uh, dishing to like uh, very smart, intelligent players, which is what Ruchi Hachimura is. Yeah, I think Kendrick Nunn's now going to start scoring about thirty points a game with Washington, just like most of the Laker former Lakers that they send away. Suddenly, they become all stars and uh, some of the great players. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, I, I love this guy, and I think uh, if he gets a good chance in Washington, I think uh, sky's the limit. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I think. 
I don't think he was utilized properly in the Lakers system. I honestly didn't. Um, I, I think uh, a new a new team will do him good. Yeah. Uh, okay, speaking of the Lakers, there was an altercation at the Lakers game on the weekend between Shannon Sharp and uh, almost the entire um, Memphis Grizzlies team. He got into it with Stephen Adams, John Morant, uh, Dylan Brooks, and a bunch of others. Even John Morant's uh, dad uh, got into it. Uh, Sharp was screaming and yelling and carrying on quite a bit. Uh, he had a really lengthy apology today on Undisputed, the show he does with Skip Bayless on FS1. Uh, he apologized to everybody and anybody. The list was massively long. Um this was kind of crazy. I was quite shocked at how out of control it got. Yeah, awesome. Like WWE-ish. I was just <laughs> like, and I, at, at one point in time, I said to myself, what if Shannon Sharp and Steven Adams actually get into it? I'm going to be honest, great fight. I would love to see it. I would yeah. love to see it. I'm like, ah, I don't know who's going to win that fight. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a barn burner. Go for it. Right? I don't know, man. And Stephen Adams he had his hair out. Usually, it's in a ponytail. He has hair what? out. He looked, nope. he looked even like tougher and more beastly. You know that the big uh, what do they call it? Maoris? He looked like a big Maori from New Zealand. There, he was he was ready to just take oh. Shannon out. No, he was ready to rumble. And I was just like, all right, all right, let's see this happen. But at the same time, I I'm I'm just looking at it, going like, what? happened like what would set this guy off like that yeah. and by the way so you know that also it also demonstrated to me that there's a difference in you know like levels for people celebrityhood right so shannon sharp should have been like you know escorted off the property for that yeah. he was not he was allowed to stay yeah. anybody else does that they're gone Oh, yeah. Maybe gone so, for good. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So it, so if you look at that, you look at that double standard, and I think to myself, well, I guess the next time that happens in uh in, in Lakers land, you're gonna have a problem. Yeah. You're gonna have a problem because that's gonna be brought up. It could have got much worse than it did. Luckily, security got involved. Luckily, uh, cooler heads prevailed and uh no punches were thrown. But um, yeah, uh, you know, for a a former Hall of Fame football player sitting sideline. You're just supposed to enjoy the game, have a couple babies, but don't <laughs> let it get out of control. That was out of control, and that was not uh, we should be letting the fans interact with the players like that. And you're right, uh, double standard. Anybody else in the world out of there and maybe not coming back for a while. Uh, they let him continue sitting there and – and enjoy the rest of the game. Uh, I, I I thought it was a bad look. I thought it was a really bad look. No, I thought it was awful. It was awful because you're, like you're you're setting an example in front of like the world, saying like, oh, so it's okay for some people, not for others. Good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, Way to go. Bad. Right on. Yeah. Um, okay. Continuing on with the Lakers. Uh, on Sunday, they had a massive twenty-five point comeback on the Portland Trailblazers. At halftime, they trailed them by 25 points, uh, the second biggest comeback on the NBA season. This actually matched the largest second-half comeback of LeBron James' 20-year career. Uh, LeBron had 17 points of his 37 in that third quarter to start the comeback. 
And now he's only 224 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time points scored in history of the sport. Um, crazy, uh, crazy comeback. I did not see this coming. I flicked it back and forth a few times during this game and I uh, was shocked that the Lakers pulled this one out. Yeah. Uh, LeBron's, he's still really good. That's all I can say. He's still really good. I, I saw off Instagram, like, some of his numbers after he's turned, like, like he just recently turned 38. Like, he's been averaging, like, like 34, 35 points since yeah. he turned 38. And yeah. I'm just looking at it going, how are you doing that? Yeah. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else has ever done that. Nobody else has ever done what he's doing right now. No. In 19, you're 20, you're 24, 28. So, so shocking. So spectacular. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, every week it seems like I see these types of notes. Never in history has this been done. Never. He's been able to he just be able to just blow our minds. Um, he's averaged 35 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 8 assists in the past 10 games. Fourth player in NBA history to average that in a 10-game span. Uh, and the first over the age of 29, and he's 38 uh, in his 20th season. Uh, some guys don't even make it into the NBA until they're in their 20s, early 21, 22. He started at 18, 20th season, and he's doing this kind of stuff. He was named Player of the Week this week in the Western Conference for the 67th time in his career. Uh Second place all time, second place for the most player of the week, Kobe Bryant, 33 times he was named NBA player of the week. LeBron has more than doubled Kobe Bryant, 67th player of the week. This is his second player of the week in January, and the other week he finished second in the voting behind Luka Doncic. So player of the month is almost pretty much wrapped up for LeBron again, and uh, I wouldn't put it past him to get another few uh, this season to push that record just even farther into the stratosphere. He just keeps amazing us all the time, every game, every week, every month. Like it's just like his is just his his length of excellence that he's managed to have throughout his career is just it's it's incredible. It almost seems like it's impossible. Yeah. But he's doing it right now. I love, I, I love it. It's just so great. And uh, yeah, I, I can't uh, throw enough praise on him. Uh, good for him to, you know, maintain his body and maintain his health and uh, just be able to still be playing at this high level. We just, unprecedented. We just don't see it ever. And uh, he he's one of a kind, just one of a kind. Uh, the player of the week for the Eastern Conference is Drew Holiday. Um, this is uh, his first ever player of the week. Um, he was able to average 33 and a third points per game, 9.3 assists and five rebounds. Uh, he scored 35 points in a win on Monday over the Pacers, 37 points in a win over Toronto on Tuesday. That's the first time in his career that he's got back-to-back 35-plus -back points games. And um, he has been... Great in the absence of Chris Middleton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Both those guys came back tonight 
and contributed big time to a big 150 to 130 win over Detroit. 150 points put up by the Bucs tonight. And, uh, man, once this team gets healthy, look out. Uh, the rest of the East, uh, they're going to be on a trajectory trying to catch Boston and get up into that upper echelon again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you got Giannis. The team the team is built for the playoffs, uh, especially with – I love the addition of Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe Ingles adds another, like, crafty, savvy veteran that can handle the ball, that has size, can play defense. And it's just just an incredibly intelligent player that's actually getting a, a lot of a lot more chemistry than I thought he would with Giannis right away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Bucks third in the East, uh, and are only looking up after this. Yeah, yeah, it's great to get uh, back healthy and uh, bringing them back. Uh, speaking of healthy, uh, amazingly enough, we have a Jonathan Isaac sighting tonight in Orlando. The Magic Forward is making his much-anticipated uh, return from a torn ACL and a hamstring surgery. He has missed two and a half years. Uh, he suffered a torn ACL in the bubble back in uh, Orlando in the bubble. Uh, he hasn't played in so, so, so long. He's almost been forgotten. Uh, he was the number six draft pick in the 2017 draft and uh, missing two and a half seasons for a guy that's only 25 years old. Uh, this is so tough. He's the Magic's uh, highest paid player, a guy that has been waiting on for so, 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 so long. Uh, so glad to see him back and hopefully he can get back to 100% health and the Magic can get back a guy that they've uh, really dearly missed for so, so, so long. Yeah. Like, as soon as you said his name, I'm like, wait, who was that again? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. Uh, yes, that's how long he's been out. And I I, I, I I, root for him. I hope nothing but the best. But as it's been shown, you, these guys won't get it all back right away. It took Clay Thompson some time before he was able to round into form. It's going to take this man some time before he rounds into form. But at least the great thing is he has the rest of the season to get there. And then build from that going into the next season after that so that now that he has his legs underneath him, feels the weight of the NBA again, then he can really begin to grow again. Yeah. Uh, you said build. Uh, Orlando is rebuilding, trying to uh, get some new pieces and trying to start this up. There are only three players on the current roster for Washington, for Orlando that played with Jonathan Isaac. Only Markel Fultz, uh, Terrence Ross, and Mo Bamba are only three guys left from the last time he suited up. That's pretty insane. Uh, he's making $17.4 million this season. Uh, he has two seasons left after this year on his big four-year contract that he signed uh, when he was 21 years old. Uh, he also has, uh, as I mentioned, a um, right hamstring injury that he had surgery on just 10 months ago. So not only recovering from the knee injury, but the hamstring injury too. So uh, this will be a long road. He was able to uh, play three games in the G League over the past couple of weeks here. Uh, he was able to average 16 points in 18 minutes, which is, is pretty decent to see. And um, he played in 134 regular season games in those first three seasons he played in. 
played 75 in that year that uh, Orlando made the playoffs. Their only playoff appearance in the past 10 seasons. Uh, he's a guy that uh, really can make a difference if he can get back to full health. Yeah, he can definitely make a difference. He just needs to stay healthy enough to make said difference. Um, today is the 23rd of January. Uh, two historic moments on the 23rd of January, both from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, on January 23rd, 2015, Clay Thompson set the record for most points in a quarter with 37. Uh, he ended up with 52 that night and a huge victory. In January 23rd of 2021, uh, his backcourt mate, the, the other Splash brother, Steph Curry, passed Reggie Miller for second on the all-time in three-pointers. And uh, he ended up eventually getting uh, past Ray Allen, 2,973 set the new mark. Steph goes into this week with 3,274 three-pointers in his career and pushing that record farther and farther and farther up. Yeah, I I, I don't know where he's going to end, but I wonder if he'll, he'll, if he'll finally get to, I'd say, well over 5,000. Yeah, by the time his career is over, and I think that's definitely doable for sure. Uh, the All Star starters and the captains will be revealed on Thursday for the TNT games. Uh, this will be the 72nd All Star game played in Utah. Uh, the 14 reserve players will be announced on February 2nd, also on TNT. Uh, LeBron has been the captain all five times in this format. And they're five and zero oh, uh, in in all the games that he has captain. So I uh, expect LeBron to be named captain again and probably take the victory. And uh, this is a cool week in the NBA. This is the first ever rivals week in the NBA. They decided to make a special week, like they do in college, for all the college teams play their rivals, interstate rivals. Typically, uh, this one is a special one that they put together. Uh, they have 11 nationally televised games that will feature some classic duels as well as some new rivalries that have been forged over the last couple seasons. Uh, the biggest one I'm looking forward to is the Lakers and the Celtics. Um, they are the two most storied franchises in this league. Uh, they have met in the finals 12 times, and they both have 17 world championships as part of their franchises. So. That'll be cool. Uh, there's two inner city matchups. The Knicks and the Nets face each other. The Lakers and the Clippers get to face each other. Uh, that's Tuesday night. Uh, they decided to put the MVP winner and the runner-up against each other, and that's happened back-to-back -back years. Nikola Jokic has won the MVP two years in a row. The runner-up was uh, Joel Embiid, so the Nuggets and the Sixers will play each other this, this week. And then they've got some uh, matchups where there was recent uh, playoff uh, matchups. The um, Warriors and the Grizzlies will play. The Grizzlies will play the T-Wolves. And the Mavs will play the Suns. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. This is really cool. I hope this becomes a, a yearly tradition, maybe a couple different weeks. But uh, Rivals Week, uh, we're upon it here in the NBA, and uh, it should be fun. No, I, I love that. And they should make that a tradition. That That's a fantastic idea. Fantastic marketing by the NBA. 
that's something that needs to stay. Yeah. And I love that all the games are nationally televised. So we're all going to get a chance to see them. And um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Uh, I don't know why it took so long because it's been such a tradition in college forever. Uh, I know you don't got as many interstate rivals and that kind of thing, but there's, you know, there's just rivals that happen geography wise or, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics just being such storied franchises. wise. I think they can really play around with this and, and have some fun year after year. Oh yeah, man! Like, like also too. <laughs> I just thought of something. Yeah, maybe do a throwback Bulls Pistons. Whoever comes down the lane is getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an awesome one. Great. Yeah. The bad boys against Jordan and his boys. Yeah, that would be amazing to see. Yeah, brilliant. But yeah, there's there's a lot that it can do with this. I think, and uh, this is a good start. I think, really good start. No, it's a great start, man. Uh, hopefully. We see a lot more of this going forward because, like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Now I'm pumped. I'm Me too, man. Me too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for this, buddy. As always, this is, uh, you know, one of my favorite couple hours of the week and a uh, great way to finish off a nice weekend, kick off a great week ahead. Uh, I'm I'm slow at work right now, but, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we won't have traffic problems like you endured today. Uh, hopefully that was just a one day thing. And uh, yeah, let's, let's have an awesome week ahead. Keep in touch and uh, definitely we'll see you one week from tonight. Yeah. We'll see you one week from tonight. We will keep in touch and uh, you have yourself a great evening. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Good night. Good night. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. That was great. Uh, thanks for sticking in. Appreciate your support as always. Love you. Uh, hey, let's, Thank our partners and sponsors, uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance and value. The V350 stick is a must have. I want to thank Anchor, anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. Phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Uh, incredible, incredible. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, designers of West Coast, beautiful things for your home. Really let them come in design your place, make it look spectacular. Uh, I love what they do with, uh, with, uh, with homes for people and uh, forever living the aloe vera company for health and beauty products, uh, industry leader. Uh, and uh, man, you, you just need to get some of these products in your household. Uh, find them on our website at discounted rates. Uh, you will be very happy you did. Um, enjoy, enjoy this podcast. Take care of yourself and love you lots. I really look forward to seeing you very soon. And uh, thanks again. Take care of yourself and bye for now.